0: Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, would you please take them out and go to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1 is where we are going to be this morning as we uh, continue our series titled Joyful, a walk through Philippians. And in this uh, series, we are learning how to be joyful. And so please turn there, Philippians chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 12 through 18 uh, this morning. And at the conclusion of today's message, we are going to participate in the Lord's Supper. So So I pray uh, that everybody has their favorite all-in-one communion cups. Amen. If you don't, we'll have some of those for you at the end of the service, but we will do that um, at the end of our time together. And as you're turning to uh, the book of Philippians, I do want to say a big thank you to Britton Johnson for leading us in worship this morning. Can you give him a round of applause, please? Um, Josh Sullins, our worship pastor, um, his dad passed away this week, and so uh, Josh and his family are making preparations for um, for his dad. And so you want to please remember the Sullins family. Um, they've been here for five and a half months, and there have been two deaths in their family, um, which is um, which is devastating. And so just church, would you please specifically be praying for them that God would comfort them um, through uh, this time? But uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18 as we look at joyful, um, how we can be joyful in this life. Now, last week, I introduced to you a song that I sang the song and many of you looked at me like you were a cow looking at a brand new gate. You know what that means? Like, I don't know what to do with that. I'm just going to let you know that that was my favorite song growing up in West Texas. Apparently, that's only in West Texas you sing that song. I've got joy down in my heart, deep, deep down in my heart, spell it, J-O-Y, down in my heart, deep, deep down in my heart. I can tell you're still like a cow looking at a new guy. You have no idea. Because many of you, and I know this, and many of you, and I knew it last week, many of you are thinking, of what song? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart. Down in my heart, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. Now, what's the next part? And I'm so. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. Okay, good, that's good. Give yourself a round of applause. That is really, really good. So, now for those of you who thought, Pastor, you're nuts. For that song last week, now you can feel better about the song that we all know and that we all think about when we talk about being joyful. Well, today I want to talk to you about joy in the midst of adversity. Joy in adversity. I can't think of a better topic to study this morning rather than joy in adversity. The word adversity, the definition of adversity, simply means this. It means means troubles. It means difficulties. It means trials. And I can can say that this past week, um, our county, Glenn County, has experienced some adversity. Uh, The Glenn County school system making a very difficult decision to move to distance learning for the next few weeks. Folks, that's not an easy decision. That's a very difficult decision to make. That's adversity. It's not easy. It's not easy for parents. Amen parents. It's not easy for teachers. Amen teachers. It's not easy for students. Well, maybe. Maybe, but but it's adversity. Our Southeast Georgia health system is maxed out. It's adversity. So much adversity that our governor has to call in the National Guard to come assist not only our hospital, but multiple hospitals around, around the state. I would call that, I'd call that adversity. Healthcare workers, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Family members of loved ones who are struggling with COVID, you, you know what I'm talking about. That's adversity. Um. My, my beloved Texas Tech Red Raiders are struggling to find a conference after Texas and Oklahoma decide to come to the Southeastern Conference. That's adversity, folks. That's adversity. Um, Yesterday, my, my family, we, we moved into our new home. That's adversity, folks. That's adversity. So what I say this morning, I, I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. But thank you to everybody who helped us. But it was adversity. And let us not forget what has taken place in Afghanistan. Afghanistan adversity. Um, I I think I speak on behalf of a lot of people. I'm appalled at how our government has handled the situation. I'm saddened, deeply saddened for our leadership and how they've handled this situation. I don't care what you believe about the war in Afghanistan. I don't don't care about that. I don't. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. I I don't care. But as an American, I'm extremely disappointed. I'm, like you, heartbroken over the the loss of innocent lives. I'm, I'm broken over the fact that Christians and missionaries over in Afghanistan now have a big X on their backs. And I'm extremely frustrated, like many of you. I don't understand how certain people have a belief system that says this, that if you take innocent lives who do not believe like you do, and you take your own life, that that gets you into eternity. I don't understand that belief. And it breaks my heart that Satan has so blinded the eyes of so many people. And as we as believers move into this, as we continue to move in the 21st century, as we continue to move into the soon coming return of Jesus Christ, adversity is going to be the subject from the rest of our days on. In my 20 years, in, in 20 plus years in ministry, a good portion of my time is spent talking with people who, who, who have adversity. And, and they ask really two questions. Like the questions will be, why is this happening and what do I do now? Why is this taking place? Why has this happened to me? And, and pastor, what do I do? How do I handle this situation? What's going on? And and, and, in preparing for today's message, this text, which, again, God's sovereignty and this text being chosen before all of these events take place, I'm just in awe of God's sovereignty and how he works all things together for the good to those who love him and called according to his purpose. But as I was preparing for this message, I came across a statement from a pastor um, that I thought it's... It's a little comical, but I think it proves a great point, point. I think it proves Paul's point in our text we're, that our text we're going to read here in just a few seconds, but this pastor said this, and it's on the screen behind me. The pastor said this, when hard times come, keep your eye on the donut and not on the hole. Well, think about that for just a moment. When hard times come, keep your eye on the donut and not on the hole. I mean, you know this, a donut I had a blueberry donut from Dunkin' Donuts for breakfast this morning. It was really good. But the donut has two parts, right? It has the fried dough part, the delicious part, and then it has what? The whole. And the point of this, you know, comical statement is this. When hard times come, you and I have two things to look at, or two opportunities, two possibilities. You can look at The delicious blueberry part of the donut, the plenty, or you can look at the whole where there's nothing. In Paul's text this morning, in his letter to the Philippians, he tells us keep your eye on the donut. Look at what you have, look at the joy that you still have, even in the midst of adversity. Now, I think this is one of the most difficult things to talk about um, in your walk with Christ. How can you have joy in the midst of adversity? How can you, how can you sing worship songs? How can you praise God when, when everything around you seems to falling apart? And, and. As, as I was driving over here this morning, I, I heard a song from, uh, from, a, from a band that many of you will know. I'm not going to tell you their name because I, I don't mean anything bad to the name, but it's a Christian song, um, has a great melody, has a great line, and I, I, I like the song, but the words bothered me. And the words went something like this, that when you step across the line of faith, when you take one step towards Jesus, you're heading to your best life now. Now, I have a problem with that tech, with that line. Because I believe that line is very American and it's a very Western culture. That we think that when we follow Christ, that yes, we're heading to our best life now where everything is on this trajectory upwards to where everything is great. But here's what we see in scripture and here's what we see in our own experience. What we see so many times in our life, our lives are peppered with pain, it's littered with. With, with, with adverse circumstances, and, and it's hard. We, we don't know how to do this. And so, but in our text this morning, in verses 12 through 18, Paul shares with us how you and I can still remain joyful in the midst of adversity. Um, look in verses 12 through 18, and I'm going to read this text to you. Follow along in your copy of God's Word. And if you're with me this morning, say Amen. Uh, Verses 12 through 18, and it reads, Paul says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that my circumstances, my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the Praetorian Guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brothers and sisters trusting in the Lord Jesus because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but but some are also preaching from goodwill. The latter do it out of love. That's the word agape. The latter do it out of love knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. And here's what Paul says, what do I do now? What then? He says, only that in every way, whether in pretense, which means in fakeness, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, we come before you today. And Father, I pray that as we look at this text and as we study this text, and I, I just pray, Word of God, speak to us. Father, I pray that we will see our circumstances and we will submit our circumstances to the sovereignty of God. And that, oh great God, that we would look to you to, to understand and to see and to know and to trust. And so, Father God, through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, the Trinity... Come, make your presence known, and come and do a mighty work in our lives so that when we leave this place here in a few moments, the world will see that Jesus lives in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, there's three things I want to share with you very briefly before we go into the Lord's Supper this morning, and we see how Paul modeled how to have joy in adversity. Number one, I want you to write this down. You and I, according to what Paul says, you and I, we can have joy in adversity if we look at every difficulty through God's eyes you and I can have joy in adversity if if we have God's perspective on what's going on in life if we if we keep the big picture in view now that's really hard for us as humans to have the big picture in view because we're not God and we don't see the big picture and so when in the midst of adversity, in the midst of family members struggling with COVID, with, with shutdowns of school and, and other things going on and things going on in Afghanistan, and we don't, fully, we don't fully understand because we don't see the big picture. We don't see what God sees. And when we don't see what God sees, then it's easy to get discouraged. It's, it's easy to get frustrated because we don't see what God sees. But here's the reality, church. The truth is, is that God is working all things out for his good. Everything that is going on in our lives, God is working all things together for the good to those who love him and according to his great purpose. Which means this, I think we have to, we have to gather this and I have to remind myself, God has a plan. Amen. He has a plan. I don't always understand his plan. Sometimes I get frustrated trying to understand his plan, but, but let us be reminded of what the prophet Isaiah said that God said to Isaiah when God said, my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But just because we don't see it, it doesn't mean that God's not working, that God doesn't have a plan. Which means this that, that God is able, in all of his sovereignty, in all of his power, in all of his strength, he's able to take your sins and work it into his plan. He's able to take your hurts, your mistakes, and turn it into his plan. He's able to take what other people do and what other people do not do, and he's able to to make it into his plan. Look at verse number 12. Paul says this, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances Look at that phrase, my circumstances. The Greek literally says, ta kate ime, which literally means this is my testimony. So Paul is writing to the Philippians. Remember this, Paul, this is, this is a joyful book. And so Paul is writing to the Philippians and he's saying to them, listen, this is my testimony. And let me just share with you, this is my testimony. Now, now folks, remember this about Paul's testimony. Um, when, when Paul became a believer, there's two things I want you to remember about Paul's testimony as, you th- as we go through this text this morning. Um, there's two things. When Paul became a believer, and you remember he became a believer, of Jesus Christ, uh, we call it the Damascus Road experience. Do you remember that? He had the Damascus Road experience. And, and ever since the Damascus Road experience, when he became a follower of Jesus Christ, Paul had one great dream. Paul had one desire. And Paul's desire was this. He wanted to go to Rome. He wanted to preach in Rome. Uh, Romans 1, verse 11 says, as Paul says, for I long to see you, Romans, I long to see you in Rome because I want to impart uh, some spiritual gift to you so that I may, that I may equip you, that, my, that I may establish you. And so, the question I have on this, okay, if Paul, Paul's desire is to go to Rome, why did Paul want to go to Rome? Paul wanted to go to Rome because Rome was the center of the universe. It was, it was the capital of the empire. There in Rome, it is the most prestigious, most powerful, most tr- strategic city in all of the world. And so here's Paul. Paul's dream. Paul's dream is I want to go to the greatest city in the world because if I share the gospel of Jesus Christ in the world's greatest city, there's no no telling what God can do with that. So Paul wanted to go to Rome. That's all he wanted to do. The only problem was God had a different plan. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You want to go this way? And God says, I think you should go this way. How many of you love it when God does that? That's crazy, isn't it? It's painful. It's painful. But Paul wanted to go to Rome. So you need to remember that. The second thing you need to remember about, about, uh, about, about Paul's uh, testimony is this. God had a different plan for him. Instead of Paul going to Rome uh, happily, everything going perfectly, God says "As Paul, I'm going to put you in prison instead. Instead of sailing on to Rome, preaching the gospel to all of God's people in Rome, what I'm going to do, said Paul, is I'm going to put you in prison. And I'm going to put you in prison for four years, Paul. Paul. You haven't done anything wrong. You haven't done anything illegal, Paul, but Paul, I'm going to put you in prison for four years. And Paul is saying, he's saying, church, church of Philippi, these are my circumstances. Remember, Paul started the church in 51 AD. He's now writing to them 10 years later, and several things have happened to Paul. From AD 57 to AD 61, here's what happens to Paul. Paul is jailed for two years in Caesarea Philippi. He's, char- he's, he's, he's imprisoned on false charges. He's just sitting there. And he, then he says, you know what, take me to Caesar. And by the way, the Caesar at that day was Nero, who was psycho. He says, send me to Caesar. I want to talk to Caesar. They say, okay, on his way to Rome, as he's sailing along, he's shipwrecked. He lands up on a, an, an island in the Mediterranean Sea. He gets out on this island, and lo and behold, a poisonous snake bites him on the hand. So far, the trip is going very, very well. He gets bit on the hand by a poisonous snake, and Paul does what every man does. He just shakes it off, right? He just shakes it off, throws the snake into the fire, and then all the people who see this happen, they say, oh, Paul, you must be a god. When they start worshiping Paul, Paul's like, no, 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 that's not who I am, I'm not God, I, I, I speak about who God is. And so what, do the, the, what does the island do? They tell him to get back on a ship and go to Rome. He finally makes his way to Rome, and there he's in prison for another two more years. I mean, Paul is such, such a criminal. He's such a criminal. I mean, he's a bad guy. He's so bad that he is chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. Under house arrest. And every four hours, the guard is changed. And so Paul is saying, Listen, I have had no privacy at all. And if there's anybody in all of the world, as Paul writes this letter, if there's anybody who could have a pity party, or if there's anybody who could be depressed, if there's anybody who could say, You know what, man, my life is not what I thought it would be, it would be Paul. Now look back at verse number 12. You still with me this morning? All right, look at verse number 12. He says this, I want you to know, brethren, that my testimony, my circumstances, look at this, they have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. What? Paul, you're kidding me, right? Paul, how... How can you say that this has turned out for the greater good? Paul, you've been in prison for four years. How can you say that this has turned out for the greater good? Paul, I don't understand. I want you to write this down. I think this is a good principle that we all need to learn. I need to learn this in my own life as well, but write this down. Our disappointments may actually be God's appointments. Our disappointments may actually be God's appointments. Church, listen to that for just a moment. And all the disappointments that happened in our life. Listen, Paul wanted to go to Rome. He wanted to be safe. But the next thing you know, that Paul's in prison. I would call that a major disappointment, wouldn't you? But just maybe your disappointment is actually God's appointment. Look back at verse number 12. Look at the word greater progress. Other translations say advancement, furtherance, or spread of. It's the Greek word prokupto, and it literally means it's a military term. It's a, it's a word picture. It's a military term, which literally means this. As Paul says, what has happened to me is actually for the greater good. It is for the advancement of the gospel. That word, is an, it's, a, it's a military term that means this, moving ahead. Now, listen to this. This is key. It's moving ahead in spite of all the obstacles in front of you. That's what that word means. The advancement of the gospel. So Paul is saying, listen, I've been put in chains, I've been imprisoned, but it is for the advancement of the gospel, which means this, it means it is going forward no matter the obstacles, in spite of all the obstacles. So what Paul is saying is, if you think you're going to be a strong believer, if you think that your life is going to be just just straight and no problems, you need to think differently. We need to think in God's point of view. God's point of view is this. Folks, we've got to keep going no matter the obstacles in our lives. Amen? No matter the difficulties. And so when Paul uses this word, uh, this procupto, which means a military term, which means you keep going forward in spite of the obstacles, which means this. A couple of men in the army would go ahead of people. They would knock down all the trees. They would build bridges. They would build roads so that the gospel could go forward. But they never complained about this. And so Paul, in, so Paul says, how can you have joy? Because this is a joyful letter. Paul is saying to the church at Philippi, and he's saying it to us today, that the way that you and I have joy is you get God's point of view. Which means you have to step back from your situation and you have to see what is God really doing? I mean, What is God really doing in this COVID time? I have no idea. But I think he may be saying this, you better get ready because I'm coming soon. Amen? What is he doing with this? What is he doing with Afghanistan? What is he doing with the Taliban coming in? What is he doing with the United States moving out of the middle part of the Middle East, the far Middle East? What, What is God doing? Is it possible that God is setting up the time frame for him to return? And when we step back and we begin to get God's point of view on all the things that are going on, here's what can happen. We can gain joy. Warren Wiersbe, in his commentary on the book of Philippians called Be Joyful, um, he said this what, about what God can do by his perspective uh, about advancing the gospel. He said this. I think this is great. He said, the same God who used Moses' rod— and David's sling used Paul's chains. Let me say that again because that that is so key. The same God who used Moses' rod, David's sling used Paul's chains. So here's the question, church. What is it today in your life, what is it today that God is using to advance the gospel? Is it pain? Is it adversity? Know this, God used Paul's chains to advance the gospel, and Paul remained joyful through it all. Look at, look at, uh, write this down, number two. Y'all still with me this morning? This is hard, isn't it? This is hard. But this is foundational to us. Number two, I want you to write this down. Your joy in adversity can encourage others to be bold. In other words, when you maintain God's perspective and you find joy in the midst of adversity through God's perspective, here's what happens. This is crazy, but here's what happens. You actually encourage others to be bold. You encourage others to be bold. Look at verse number 14, and Paul says this right into the church at Philippi, and that most of the brethren, those in Rome, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. I think you'd all be in agreement with me on this one. Courage is courageous. Amen? When you see somebody who is courageous, that makes you want to be courageous. Amen. How many of you remember as a kid, you'd use this phrase, I dare you, to get someone to do something they didn't want to do? I dare you, right? And if they didn't do it, you would then say, I double dog dare you. And then if you didn't do the double dog, you went to the dreaded. Man, if you do the triple dog, you got to do it, right? I mean, you got to do it, but here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, I didn't dare these brothers or sisters to be bold. I didn't double dog dare them. I didn't triple dog dare them to be bold. What I did was this. I remained joyful in my adversity, understanding what God's plan for my life was and and keeping God's perspective on it. And Paul is saying, my chains, my suffering, my pain, my difficulties, it actually encouraged others to be bold. I mean, guys, folks, what, what I think about this verse number 14, I think of all the times that the adversity that comes in our lives and how we as believers in Christ respond to adversity, it either turns people away from Christ or it is attractive to Christ. Are you with me? How you respond makes a difference. Well, pastor, it hurts. The pain hurts. I, I understand. I, I get that pain hurts. But, but church, listen, how we respond to adversity can point people to Christ or it will point them away from Christ. And when we're able to keep God's perspective, as Paul says here, verse 12 and 13, keep God's perspective. Verse 14, he says, when you keep God's perspective, here's what happens. Other people will see it. And those who are believers say, you know, if, if Paul can do it, so can I. Small groups. Have you ever noticed that in your small group when somebody is bold and you see what they can do? that says, you know what, I, 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 I can do the same thing. I, I, I can do the same thing. Now, church, all throughout history, all throughout church history, we see this work. The great Martin Luther, the great reformer. Uh, Martin Luther was challenged by... A previous theologian by the name of John Huss, Scottish theologian who was who was burned at the stake for his faith in Jesus Christ. And Martin Luther said, This guy has something. I want to be bold like him. John Wesley and George Whitfield, they 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 were bold because of the ministry of, of John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress. Before John Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress, he was a a pastor, and he preached the gospel in Bedford, England, and and his enemies got mad at him, and and they arrested him and put him in prison. And they came and they asked John Bunyan, said, Bunyan, will you please stop preaching the gospel? If we release you, will you stop? This is what John Bunyan said. Listen to this boldness. He said, if you release me today, I will preach in the streets tomorrow. And for 13 years, he remained imprisoned. It was, in, it was in prison that he wrote Pilgrim's Progress. When you remain bold for Christ, when you have God's perspective, here's what happened. You encourage others. You encourage others to be bold. Here's one thing that I hear a lot of time from people, and it's this. You know, Pastor, I'm just waiting for my better circumstances to come. I'm just waiting for everything to line up. And this is, I'm just waiting for the perfect time. Can I just say what God is saying through Paul to us is this. Don't wait for that perfect time because there's not going to be the perfect time. Go ahead, speak up, and be bold now. Don't wait for the perfect circumstances. Well, here's the third thing. Write this down. You can have joy and adversity when you don't allow other people to control your attitude. You can have joy and adversity when you don't allow other people to control your attitude. Look at verses 15 through 17. Uh, Paul is now going to share with the church in Philippi that there have been some other people who have come in after him. There are people who have attacked him, who have judged him and criticized him. Verse 15, he says that some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some are doing it from goodwill. Look at that phrase, envy and strife. That's the Greek word iris, which means people who love to argue. You know anybody like that? They like to argue. And Paul is just reminding people who argue, it often steals your joy, and they were coming after Paul, and Paul is saying, I- I'm, not, I'm not holding on to that. Verse 15, he says, but some are preaching the gospel out of the goodwill. Verse 16, the latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. What Paul is saying is, listen, some people are going to preach the gospel just out of, uh, out of spite. Some are going to preach the gospel out of a pure motive. Look, verse 17, the former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motive. Thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonments. And what Paul is saying, listen, there are going to be other people who want to tell you how to do things. There are going to be other people going to tell you, you know, you need, you need to do it this way. You need to think this way. You need, to, you need to think about this situation. And Paul is saying, listen, there are people on my good side and there are people on my bad side. And I have people coming after me. But look at verse 18 because this is the key of having joy in adversity. Look at verse 18 when Paul says, What then? If I have people on my right, people on my left, what do I do? Paul says this only that in every way, whether in pretense, the word pretense again, it means fakeness, means a, a false motive, uh, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Here's Paul's conclusion to his circumstances. He's chosen to, uh, to disregard his critics, and his only concern is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have you ever heard the saying, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing? That's Paul. When adversity hits, when you lose that loved one, when, when our government does something that is not wise, When those who have leadership over you make a decision that you do not think is right, relationships are destroyed, you lose, you you name it, you fill in the blank. Here's what Paul says. He says this to the church at Philippi. You keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because again, God is using everything in your life For his good. Now I know this. Our city, our county, our state, our country. We are fed up with COVID. Amen? I'm I'm fed up with it. But it's here. And we never need to allow COVID to take our eyes off the gospel of Jesus Christ. COVID has been a great distractor. And when we are distracted, guess what happens? We lose our joy. Focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God will work all things out to the good. Let me share this and I'm going to close with this and we're going to move into the Lord's Supper. I came across this poem uh, from a lady who's whose heart was crushed by tragedy that was not of her own. And she wrote this about what God was teaching. I want want you to listen to this poem. This is really good. She said, The things that happen unto me are not by chance I know, but because my Father's wisdom has willed to have it so. For the furtherance of the gospel as a part of his great plan, God can use our disappointments and the weakness of man. Give me faith to meet them bravely, trials I do not understand, to let God work his will in me to trust his guiding hand. Help me to shine a clear, bright light and not to live in vain. Help me hold forth the word of life and triumph over pain. I pray that you would live a life that way. Father, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for this time of remembrance. Thank you for this time of thankfulness, and Father, I pray that you'll use whatever you need to in our lives to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen, amen.